Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum, Episode 5. I am Andrew Camaro, an Autistic Certified Financial Planner. I co-run Adulting on the Spectrum with Eileen Lamb. Hey everyone, I'm Eileen Lam. I'm an autistic author and photographer from France, though now I live in Austin, Texas, with my two boys who are also on the spectrum. In this podcast, we want to highlight real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational story, but today I got to say that our guest has a pretty inspirational story. Uh, you probably know him. His name is Dr. Kerry Magro, and Andrew is going to introduce him. So Dr. Carrie Magro is an award-winning autistic professional speaker, best-selling author and autism consultant to the HBO series, Mrs. Fletcher, that aired in fall 2019. He started professionally speaking 10 years ago via the National Speakers Association after he fell in love with theater as a child to help with the social and communication skills. Today, he has spoken at over 1,000 events during that time you know, include two TED Talks and a Talks at Google presentation. In addition, Carrie is CEO and president of KFM Making a Difference, a nonprofit organization that holds inclusive events and has provided 86 scholarships for students with autism for college and housing since 2011. Not that I really care about disclaimers, but uh, one of our employees um, at Playing Across Spectrum, Andrew Arbo, has been a previous recipient of Carrie's award. So we thank you in advance for that. Hi, no. Carrie. Yeah, awesome. What, what was his name again? One more time. Andrew Arbo. Okay, yeah, I remember Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> Pretty Andrew unforgettable. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having me. This is really great to have the adult perspective because uh, we don't hear enough uh, about adults in our community. So, glad to be here. Hey, Carrie, thanks for being here. We always start by asking our guests how they like to identify themselves because we know some autistic adults like person with autism more than autistic person and vice versa. So how do you like to identify? Uh, Carrie and autistic. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I actually used to be called, uh, I, I used to prefer uh, a person with autism and then I moved on to autistic. How about pronouns? Do you have any preferences? Oh, um, him, he. Perfect. So uh, can you tell us a bit more about your autism journey when you were diagnosed? What was it like? Although I feel like a lot of the, you know, internet, you're one of the people who've shared some of their stories before. So also too, with some of the questions we, we ask, feel free to share things that have not been shared before. And as pointed out earlier, this is an adulting on the spectrum podcast. So we are allowed to curse. And if you don't like it, you can fuck off. <laughs> uh, my, my question is who adds the expletives, like the, the little beeps you hear later? Uh, that's, uh, that's all it's something I'm interested in, but no. Uh, Wait, who said we're bleeping anything out? Okay, continue. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so uh, my diagnosis uh, came in 92, I was four. I was diagnosed with PBD-NOS before the DSM-5 made it its umbrella diagnosis. Uh, and I didn't speak until I was two and a half, didn't start speaking in complete sentences until I was seven. I had 15 years of occupational physical speech therapy, 
got started on music and theater therapy a little bit later on uh, because I was a big theater nerd. I was a big music nerd. I wanted to be the sixth member of the Backstreet Boys growing up and the next Larry Bird. So my two laser focused key interests, autism key interests, uh, were uh, theater and basketball. And I turned it into a career in uh, public speaking. And uh, that's kind of what I've been doing today. I received my master's in strategic communications so I could pursue a full-time career in public speaking. Got my professional certification maybe a year after I started my master's and I've been doing that for the past 10 years now. And it's uh, been a dream. I uh, never expected you could get paid to speak. And uh, it was really cool just getting the first opportunities and then 1,000 events later, getting to write a few books, getting to work on the nonprofit and getting to work in the film and TV industry, it's uh, it's a dream come true. And uh, I, I'm blessed every single day. You really have like such a, I mean, an inspirational story. You know, it's uh, it's pretty amazing to, to hear everything you've done. And I know I always say at the beginning of each of our episodes, you know, we try to highlight uh, all the voices, but I feel like even though your story is so inspirational, it's so unique and you're doing so much for the, the autism and autistic community that I really wanted to, you know, talk to you today. Um, and speaking of, uh, in April, you did a lot of uh, talks, right? And that was about autism and employment. Can you tell us a bit more about your talks? Yeah, sure. So um, most of my talks are in schools, but it was really amazing the past few years. We've gotten a lot of inquiries from businesses. Um, a lot of businesses as part of their diversity practices have really been trying to do more. Actually, it was just announced that over 500 companies are taking part in disability inclusion, including the Apples and Googles of the world, making it really a big part of their mission statement, which I found really, really important because when we talk about diversity, it feels like a lot of the time disability falls through the cracks, especially when we're talking to human resource departments. So uh, I started blogging about my own personal perspectives of finding employment on the autism spectrum. And then later down the line, really getting into nuts and bolts from the human resource perspective, how to go about the onboarding process. And it really interested me. So uh, now I get the opportunity to speak in businesses as part of lunch and learns and then further conversations as part of internal, uh, just work with human resource departments on how we could go about hiring talented autistic uh, people within the workplace today. So got it last uh, April, we got to work with Lowe's, uh, we got to work with uh, Wyndham Worldwide Resorts uh, and, and many more businesses that it's the end of the day, so I'm not remembering off the top of my head, but it's been it's it's been a treat to say the least. Yeah, that's uh, I I didn't know that about you, and that's interesting because I that's a large part of what I talk about from a different angle completely. But so no, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. So yeah, I find yeah. that businesses are just surprisingly receptive. On one hand, it's like, well. Of course, 500 businesses are saying they're inclusive because what business is going to be like, no, I don't want to support people with disabilities. So it's also, you know, but then there's ones that are doing more than just saying yes, right? Yeah. There's the making your mission statement and then there's making it like the true part of your core DNA as a company. And, you know, I mean, obviously any, well, maybe not obviously at all, but any steps in 
forward momentum moving direction, I consider a very positive thing. And what I've found is if you're involved in a company and they're not, you know, yelling and screaming at them really usually doesn't work, although it can be fun at the time. Um, but, you know, just asking, like I, Financial Planning Association, they were talking about diversity and inclusion. And I said, well, what about neurodiversity? And they said, oh, okay, what about it? Let's talk. And so now they have neurodiversity inclusion initiative led by me. So also be careful of what you say. Otherwise, they people may be a little more open than you might anticipate. Yeah, so, I agree. And that's, it, it, it's just so important because it, there are some groups I know who say that they donate to an autism charity once a year, they host a World Autism Awareness Day event, and then all of a sudden they are this autism friendly business. And I just think to myself, it's like, that's great and all, but that's that's like the whole like autism awareness versus autism acceptance debate. You have the little bit of awareness. Now, what are you doing to accept, embrace, and understand? So that's why I talk yeah. about the onboarding. Do one no, day job training versus interview process, for example. Go yeah, ahead. and every step in the right direction, like there's plenty of people talking about the interview process. So to take the step that you can know about in that first day, I talk about the employee benefits. Like if we could all make a little bit of a difference, but I'm going to pick on you because you brought it up. So, but should we attack those businesses that are giving some money to autism? And should we, you know, attack them for who they're donating to? So then they turn around to give money to nobody anymore? Or what are your thoughts on that? And again, speak freely. It's never an attack. It's honestly, it's the first step of a conversation. I mean- Oh no, I'm not saying you, I'm saying I'm- Oh, oh, oh yeah, no, 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 I I, I, I know what you mean, but <laughs> I, I, I definitely feel from the perspective of these businesses, I mean, obviously most of the time it comes from a personal connection. One of the employees has a son or daughter who's on the spectrum. That's what I've seen like 95% of the time. But at the end of the day, I mean, that, that's great and all, but if you have senior leaders involved in your company who are on board with this, you should be really able to do much more than just writing a tax deductible donation to a nonprofit and just calling it, you know, your, your group is autism friendly, you know? I, I think, you know, even though it's true that some companies, you know, they use the autism awareness as they do that and then it's it's all over but i also think that a lot of them it comes from a place of like wanting to do something good and then they see the reactions like we saw that a lot in april this year like they post about it like they want to raise money and then they use the wrong wrong symbol for autism and they have so many angry people coming at them telling them they're like a uh, eugenics uh eugenic i can't even say that word um you're good Abolished, all of that. I can write them very well, though. Um, <laughs> and then it makes it that all the other companies are kind of like afraid to even like take a stance on autism and, and talk about it. If you know, because there is so much con controversy in the in the autism world, and when they try and do something good, because I love the expression "progress, um, progress, not perfection." Uh, I think we should encourage companies, even if it's just a one-off, uh, one um, just 
assume that they have good intention and that it's not just for a tax write-off, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I can see both uh, perspectives. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I love what you said about the whole puzzle, the, the, the symbol, because I saw that a ton during April, during the month. Uh, I, I feel like, and I think you posted on your Facebook page uh, at the Autism Cafe, uh, shameless plug for you. Uh, <laughs> you, you mentioned, um, I, I think it was like, regardless if you want to lay it up blue or lay it up red, it's like, why are we having these conversations when our goal universally should be progress for, for our community and the bickering kind of deters from us being able to do that? Yeah. Yeah, and we had a guest, uh, Tara Cunningham, former CEO of Specialist Sterna, the Autism at Work initiatives um, that all the you know major companies do. And you know what she said is when we got to the you know the executives and the key departments, they were all in, but they were just afraid of getting the message wrong, and they said no. So speaking of you know the employment piece that you're working on, right? Being kind everywhere, it, it affects everything. So why do you think that you deserve to replace Ellen? I did see that just <laughs> recently. And um, so now, and, and also would you want to replace Ellen? Were you joking? And a very serious question to follow up. So it's a two-parter and it's, as a professional, um, I always want to be known for being a financial planner who happens to have autism, right? So I'll use uh, Temple Grant as an example. You know, she had said, you know, that she wants to be, you know, the, her researcher first, right? The autism second. The autism is, makes her good at what she does. But similarly, I would never want somebody to work with me and do business with me. I'm going to call it pity. That's probably over an exaggeration because of the autism. Um, so, but in general, do you think, why do you think you should be the next Ellen? So your haircut is pretty similar, but other than that, I don't see a lot of similarities. Ellen is more like down. Mine is more like slick up. <laughs> Mine is more slicked up though. Uh, no, I, uh, I, I was working on a talk show in my local area, which aired just on local TV on Comcast for several years. And each individual we highlighted had a disability. And that was kind of the premise of our show was called, uh, it was called the Different is Beautiful show because we, we see so many people with differences and we truly believe that, you know, we should be celebrating differences and that many differences are indeed beautiful. So when we started that, we were kind of like on the perspective after the show ended and we uh, just decided to close it down. I started a video series where we started highlighting self-advocates everywhere I went to go speak and posting them on our Facebook page. So uh, Carrie's Autism Journey, where we had the opportunity to highlight so many different self-advocacy stories. And by following Ellen's career, I have seen her give back to so many individuals and do similar things in terms of celebrating differences. I remember uh, years ago when Tyler Clemente, a 18 year old boy who is gay, uh, committed suicide and Ellen did this whole big thing uh, because she is also uh, 
Enrique, uh, she, she mentioned a little bit about how it's important we talk about lessons, uh, actual, actual lesson plans in compassion for others. And that's where I, I see, a, I, I think I see a few similarities between me and, and Ellen. Uh, I, I am not a good dancer like Ellen. I sometimes don't tell the best jokes compared to hers. I sometimes get a lot of crickets. Uh, but from the, from the perspective of just celebrating differences, I think uh, that's why NBC Universal should consider me but also at the same time i know it's probably far-fetched it won't happen but i, I figured you you don't lose out by by trying i love yeah. that you absolutely don't lose out by trying so yeah I, I think that's so great that you're just putting it out there because you know what who knows and having an autistic uh person replace replace ellen i mean how amazing would that be and you know i like you so even better I wouldn't take any <laughs> random autistic. Anyway, um, on to our next question. About another show, actually, TV. Uh, let's talk about uh, Elon Musk. What, what do you think about uh, his uh, coming out, if we can call it a coming out? Um, and second part of the question, like, did you see all the controversy around him saying that he has Asperger's syndrome um, instead of saying he's autistic. And what do you think about that? I think it's interesting because it, it reminded me of Dan Aykroyd because Dan Aykroyd uh, came out about having Asperger's like five years ago. And it was kind of in the same realm of the DSM-5 was just coming out. And I was kind of like, well, Asperger's is not a, a diagnosis anymore. So what, what, what in is the going United on? States, it's not in anymore. The, in the so. United States, yes, true, true. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I was kind of thinking about that. And I was thinking, I mean, these individuals may have gone and received a diagnosis and just have never disclosed that they have a diagnosis. So I was kind of thinking on, on that line. Uh, it was fine if he identified himself as Asperger's, if he received that diagnosis at the time and just came out about it. It would have just been nice from a clarification standpoint to say, like, I received this diagnosis then. I know it could have opened more like, well, why haven't you talked about it since SNL, Saturday Night Live? But I, I, I did appreciate from the standpoint of him just saying he's the first uh, openly uh, uh, autistic. I mean, Dan Aykroyd hosted the show. He has autism. Uh, I, I appreciate it. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of Elon Musk in, in the world and, 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 and some of his uh, decision making. Uh, however, I think from the perspective of hopefully opening doors for more people in our autism community, this will lead to better opportunities to understand the talented people who, if you give them a chance within your company, you just don't know. You might have the next Elon Musk within your organization. Granted, we have to say that autism is a spectrum. However, some of my mentees right now are just some of the most brilliant kids I, I, I've ever met, so. Thank you for that. That's a good perspective, so. Do you share that perspective or is that what? new to you? Well, <laughs> I, I don't know, it was, it was a generic bullshit comment that I was just kind of like moving the conversation <laughs> along. No, I mean, no, actually, no. In all, in all seriousness, I think, um, so yeah, when Dan Aykroyd did it, he wasn't at the time. I think Elon Musk was just trying to be funny. 
right? And I think he had no idea what he was doing. Like, and it's funny too, because like there's, there's, you know, if you do 2% of the population has autism, if you do that about 50% have an intellectual disability, and we're not saying that excludes anyone from success or anything, but they're sep- they're, they're, it is separate, right? Um, and so then if you do some quick math, that means there's 3 million people in the United States with autism and without ID, uh, 2%, right? The quick math. Um, yep. And then you realize, oh, wait, maybe there's 100 people on the internet who hate it. What about the other, you know, um, you know, millions, literally millions of adults out there who in, you know, around, and, and that's, that's why we're having this, you know, podcast too, is to highlight some of the, you know, other voices and, you know, differences of opinion should be celebrated, right? Or at least understand where somebody's coming from, or just yeah. even listen, that doesn't mean you have to agree. Um so that was a little bit of a rant. So anyway. No, no, I appreciate that. It's like we, we all identify in the way that we identify. I mean, you know, Eileen I, I, had another great quote um, on the Autism Cafe. It was like, um, every single person is the, every autistic person is the expert in their own autism i think that's what it was uh and and i thought that was great i I, it's like we're all individuals and that's kind of you know don't just read a book to learn about autism learn by getting to know people who have autism but you have to know it's that every single individual is going to be unique how has it been how have you seen the evolution you've been doing this longer than me you've been doing this longer than eileen you've worked with um, Autism Speaks going back so many years and you've seen changes over time and you've just been an advocate for so long. What would you like to share that you wish people would ask you or that you wish you could get to talk about, but you kind of have to, you know, walk that fine line of, you know, not pissing off the autism community, which is almost impossible at this point or uh-huh. also trying to advocate and do good things. How has your perception changed over time? And how do you feel about it now? It's a really excellent question. That's, you know, it's funny because it's like sometimes I post things online and then I just get so many trolls and I just think to myself, it's like, am I going to keep this up? It's like, can I stand that my allies in the community are getting bullied by trolls as well? It's not only my uh, voice, but it's also the voices of others trying to stand up for me. And it's like, what, what should I do in these situations? It's a very, Facebook and other social media platforms can be very toxic. I mean, everyone knows that by now, but uh, I honestly just try to keep to my journey as much as possible and come in with that first hand perspective versus try to say I'm like an expert in ABA. I never received any ABA. And even though I know people have ABA, they would be much better equipped to have these conversations than I would. So I really just try to keep it like close to the heart uh, when I'm, I'm doing posts, when I'm doing speeches, when uh, doesn't, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm like 
a one character. It's like I, I, I do a lot of research on things such as picky eating because I used to picky eat when I was a kid. And now it's like I want to write a book on picky eating because I know it's a big topic within the autism community. So often I just try to stay away from topics that are focused on things such as the ABAs of the world, the vaccines of the world, because I know I can't win. <laughs> it's like well, my- but, but even more importantly, you just admitted that you didn't understand it, yeah. which that's not just not winning. So like I saw um, a, a reshare where somebody was coming after ABA, and I'm in a similar boat with you, Carrie. I don't have a child who's received ABA. I've never received ABA. I don't feel that confident enough about it. But I saw someone share that, you know, any treatment for people with autism should be individualized, and therefore that, um, you know, ABA should never be included. And I think the one thing I know about ABA is it's probably the most individualized treatment there is. So this was a popular social media personality. And to me, that just validated, you don't know what you're talking about. You should probably not hate it. At least I know that I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, no, no, I, I agree. And it's like, uh, it, it is one-on-one -on -one too. And it's like, there's so many people who are like ABA causes PTSD. When I know for a fact that some of those individuals have never had ABA and I'm like, so, so yes, you're listening to a perspective, which you may believe is true. However, I mean, I, I feel like that's like the popular thing people like to say about ABA right now. It's not, a, a great perspective in my opinion because it is one-on-one -on -one. and reformed ABA is much different compared to what the and I can't I, I don't want to say this stuff online because I'm I'm not an expert in, in it at all but based on the history of ABA versus ABA now uh, there have been a lot of uh, positive advancements so I, I mean, just because something shares the same name doesn't mean it's the same, right? Like the Republican Party freed the slaves and gave women the right to vote. I don't think anyone can say that that sounds like the Republican Party that exists today, but their name remains the same. So. <laughs> I had no idea. That's really cool, cool fact. Thanks, Andrew. It, it, isn't it? Yeah. I love sample facts. But seriously, about the, you know, it, it's so good how both of you can say that, well, you know what, I don't know much about ABA and that's okay. I'm not going to take a stance um, because so many people are speaking as if they've seen ABA or experienced it when all they know of ABA is what they see and hear online. Um, I posted a video about ABA showing what it's actually like um, right now in 2021. Uh, which you know was basically the therapist like letting Charlie, my oldest son, just like steam in front of a video, uh, you know, hand flapping, so happy while he was learning about number, um, learning to communicate with an iPad, uh, and then them preventing him from running in the street. That was the video, very short. And people in the comments were like, "Yeah, but that's not ABA, though." Like, well, yeah, it is. It's just. ABA is not abusive. So just because it doesn't fit your definition of like ABA being, abuse, being abusive doesn't mean it's not ABA. Um, and that's why it's so important. I think that people put a 
I mean, it's never going to happen, but put a disclaimer. Um, I've never experienced ABA. This is my opinion because of things I've read online or just don't talk about it. Like you do, Gary. You, you know, you, you can't really, you know, you don't know. So you don't talk about it. And that's great. And I think that's how, how it should be. Or if you want to talk about it, just make sure you say that you've never experienced it or seen it and that you're not an expert. I agree. I feel like that's a huge uh, caveat that people need to say. It's like, I, I can talk about it, but I've never had that first person. So a question just on, on the bullies that you mentioned, and, and this one is a little bit different from an advocacy point of view. So you work a lot with students, right? And again, you have the great scholarship. I, I thank you for that in advance. I think when one of my good friends and you know employees uh, got it, he wasn't really working uh, for me uh, full time. Um, but I've never been through the education process myself, knowing I had autism, um, but also working more with adults, not as much parents. Have you noticed that it seems everyone's a little defensive lately? Uh, what I mean by that is there's the nothing of, you know, about us without us, but I feel and, and maybe this is me. I'm just asking my silo, given you have a, such a good reputation for being kind and work with a lot of parents, that they're almost getting afraid of when I say I'm an autistic adult and here's my opinion. And no matter how kind it is, there's this, it seems to be recently over the past month or so, where there's this wall up and this defensiveness because they're so afraid of being attacked. Me and uh, a woman got in a disagreement on Facebook and I went to message her about it. And I realized she had stood up for me a couple months ago with something I had said. I was very short autistic answer or something and somebody took it the wrong way. And she stood up for me and I had thanked her and she's listened to me talk and knows me. Um, but even us, we were just so... And I'm like, what, what, what are we doing here? You, we, we like each other. We know each other have good intentions. Like why, you know, why are we so on edge? Have you experienced that? Uh, I've experienced that for years, but it, it, it's also from working at Autism Speaks, I was often uh, considered the quote unquote token. So anytime, uh, like one of the only people and they, there would be actually autistic people who would come to my Facebook page and they would bully, they, they would say I was a sellout. They would say that I was a, uh, a, a Nazi supremacist uh, believing in eugenics for everyone with autism and that autism needed to be cured. And people would stand up for me. Most of the time it was parents. Uh, and there would just be parents who, after a while, would just be scared to ever post or comment on my Facebook page because they would be worried about getting not only commented on, but also private message. I mean, that's really scary. Having people who you don't even know private messaging you and, and, and calling you hateful words and even threatening people at, at, at some times. I mean, it's so not what this community should be about. We all have different opinions on different things, but once we get to the point where bullying is involved, that's when it needs to, to stop. There's nothing wrong with being constructive. 
Um, and honestly, that's why I'm an uh, anti-bullying activist today. It's, it, it's because we see a lot of this, not only in the schools where I do most of my speaking engagements, but also in the autism community as well. Yeah, I, I've had that happen too, um, where my followers, you know, comment something in support of me and then uh, some people will private message them and insult them. And a lot of the time it's people who are not very familiar with this. You know, I feel like the three of us, we, we know this world, we know that can happen. But when it's just a parent on Facebook looking for support, it's just... It, it's hard for them. And then they, they get scared. They don't have the th thick skin and experience to handle it. And I, I just really don't like that. Um, but what, what do you think makes a good autism advocate? How can we do better despite our differences? It, it really is time to for more people to just have that opening ear and just to listen to other perspectives. And if they don't agree, say why they don't agree but just have facts to back it up don't be don't be a bully don't name call just be constructive uh i think that's at the heart of autism advocacy i think the other perspective is if you're calling yourself an autism advocate it it starts at awareness and we talk about this all the time but at the end of the day it's like steve stephen short half of stephen short's life I, I say in like quotes in speaking engagements, it's like, it, it, it's all about the four A's. Uh, it's, it, it's all about that acceptance. It's all about action. It's, it's, it, it's more than just posting, going to, granted, I, I, I was a eight year autism speaks walker. It's, it's more than just going to a walk. It's, it, it's, it's really about trying to do the best for the community and the whole acceptance and inclusion perspective. And I, I think I posted about this yesterday. Real advocacy is so boring <laughs> and so slow. I, I mean, you run a, a nonprofit, right? And you do good work. So, and it, it's a little, but being even involved with larger ones, or I spent a lot of today on a state committee for the you know autism waiver for medicaid in connecticut and trying to move the ball you know in any direction and make any progress and it's have to celebrate some real progress and it's i mean aba isn't real torture right advocating with the federal government i mean that 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 feels like torture sometimes right you know just how slow they move and just just trying to you know yelling and screaming doesn't work there um well you know well, let's say it doesn't <laughs> yeah no it's it, it's true but also from that perspective i mean we got autism insurance reform in all 50 states and then i i realized that don't you mean aba torture endorsement insurance in all 50 states for the record <laughs> Well, the, the thing is, a, a lot of states don't have the ABA even, the, whatever, that, that, that was a good way of putting it, uh, from, from the actually autistic community most of the time. But it's, it, it is the occupational therapy, it is the speech therapy, which is often covered, and most states 
like are divided about whether or not they should put ABA in. And then you get a lot of actually autistic people who say it isn't, and then it kind of hurts a lot of families receiving that one-on-one treatment. So it depends where you live too. And they're trying to make it that uh, Medicaid doesn't cover ABA in Texas. Um, And that's going to affect so, so many families. And this is where I'm really annoyed because once these people, and yeah, when I said they, I mean actually autistic, um, try to get services taken away from kids who really need it and benefit from it, it's, it's sad. You know, it's one thing if it didn't work out for them, um, but it's worked out for so, so, so many people. You know, you know how people leave bad reviews only when they, I mean, not only, but most often when they have a bad experience, a bad, bad experience at a restaurant, it's kind of like the same with ABA. Like the people who had a great experience, I mean, they talk about it online, but they're not like so vocal about it that they go and they attack everyone who, who, who talks about ABA. And I feel like this is something people need to realize. People are going to talk about ABA if they're against it, but not as much if they're in favor of ABA. And most people who received ABA are in favor of it. Anyway, I feel like it doesn't hurt anyone if Medicaid covers ABA. It can still be a parent choice. The actually autistic can still do their advocacy um, on their side against ABA if they want, but at least for the people who choose ABA, it will be covered for them. Like that's where I stand. It can still be a choice, but if they get it, you know, not covered, then it's not a choice for certain families. They won't be able to afford it. So, yeah. Well, I think some of that just also just comes down to money at the end of the day. I mean, I, I, the AB for, from the, and, and I see Andrew nodding his head and he obviously notes it's from the financial perspective, but uh, even private insurers, it's it, it's so hard at times to even get them to cover even the typical physical occupational speech therapy, let alone ABA. And then when we actually try to get reform passed to actually cover ABA, it's it, it's really, really difficult because then they could throw in the actually autistic perspective when they're really just trying to save a couple of dollars. Yeah, so exactly. an analogy that may only make sense to me is do you guys know the Sierra Club? Like uh, I'm mm-hmm. gonna, okay, tree huggers or sorry, okay. Does anyone oh, yes. know the tree Sierra? <laughs> Does anyone know the Sierra Club? Like the environmental, almost almost radical group. Um, and one of the very interesting things that's happened is they're very much against nuclear power, which Eileen's from France. So they actually have a a surplus, right? They're probably the cleanest country there is as far as carbon emissions. Um, So they're advocating to shut down nuclear power, more of a myth. And we're replacing emission-free energy with natural gas. And I can see everyone's bored, but okay. But in in fairness, no, 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 they're no. They're, <laughs> they're working with the the allies, or they, they don't understand that they're like, you know, that the natural gas isn't cleaner. It's kind of using the advocates and their power to advocate, you know, against them. Oh, the Sierra Club, that's environmentally, you know, clean. 
you know, it wants to do this, it must be a good thing. And it's funded by the natural gas industry. To me, I saw an analogy there, but. Yeah, maybe. It's only me. So we can, we'll delete that. Okay. Or no. No, I, I understand. I understand tree huggers. I, I, I do. My, my, my uh, parents were tree huggers. So that's, uh, oh. yeah, <laughs> we could go into a whole long conversation about that. Uh, <laughs> do you have any trauma from that? <laughs> I have trauma from so many things. <laughs> Next podcast. Next yes. podcast. Yes. The sequel slash remix for this. I'm down. <laughs> so well i was gonna say nothing could be as good as the original but when it comes to music the version cake did the cover of i will survive is 10 times better than the original i will take that to my grave that cake did i will survive better than uh, oh my god no you can never say that that's the music that played when france won the the soccer uh word have you have you heard in 1998 the cake version? Have you heard the cake version? No, I, I don't care. It will never be as good. It, you, you already <laughs> I, I need to go check it out now. I because I, I love that. Like I, I love old like 1970s. Like that was probably even before 1970s. No, that was 1970s, 1980s. Um, exactly. It's a crime to yeah, do a remix no of that. Enough, I mean, man. My- we we, yeah, we will we will play that song at the end of the episode so everyone just stay tuned until the end okay well yeah let me edit that in anyway it's anyway. time to wrap up our podcast with some quick fire questions so it's very easy we give you a quick question and you answer the first answer that comes to your mind cool ready what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Uh, <laughs> this is so funny. Uh, you said that the first thing that came to my mind. The first thing that came to my mind is put down the phone and be present. Oh, that is such great advice, actually. What do you like to do to relax? Uh, music, beach. What's your favorite food? Ooh, I love dumplings. I can't go wrong with pizza. I can't go wrong with chicken. I, honestly, you don't eat pizza. I, I, Italian is my way to go. Like anything Italian, so pasta, pizza, anything carbs. What is your favorite film? Uh, I, I the, the first thing that came in my head was Joyful Noise because it was the first film I worked on and that's just a shameless plug though but that was the first thing that came to my mind it's not the best movie in the world though and the director of the movie would kill me if he he sees this podcast uh (laughs) my favorite film for saying that it's not the best or for saying it's your favorite film which one no no, be upset with saying it was saying it was not the best uh The Matrix definitely has a special place in my heart. Why the Matrix? Like what? What about it? I think it was. It was also the same time I was learning about my autism diagnosis, and I felt like it was pretty cool that there was a a unique world 
that was outside of the current world that we were living in because I felt very quirky as a kid. And I, when I was learning about my diagnosis, it's like my parents took me to that movie just a few months after they told me about my autism diagnosis at like 10 and a half. And I was like, wow, there's a, there's a lot of similarities here. It's like, I wish I could go to like the matrix and like see the whole like new like world outside the matrix as well. That's cool. Since you you are autistic, you are autistic. And therefore, like Renman, thanks, Andrew. Andrew (laughs) likes to add a little bit of information to the question I'm supposed to ask you. (laughs) So since you're autistic and therefore like Renman, how much have you won playing Blackjack? Honestly, I mention it almost in every talk that there's such a Rain Man stereotypical... uh, uh, and then it's a good doctor now. Uh, I, I'm great at blackjack. I'm like very, very, I have won. Overall, it's like every other like slots, it's like I've lost money, uh, roulette, I've lost money. Uh, I don't have a problem. I'm just throwing that out there uh, just before I go into this soliloquy. Uh, I've won a little bit over $4,000 on blackjack over my life well blackjack is a game of skill and slots or not how about poker did you know eileen it was a professional poker player Get, really that's true yeah oh my god no way that's so cool uh, yeah. i'm good at texas hold'em i'm I, i'm terrible at every other Me too. well there's no other type of poker i, I mean i'll take that one to my grave too right there there's only one one of our favorites at the casino is the uh, the bonus Texas Hold'em. It's like poker mm-hmm. meets blackjack against a dealer, and it's it's really fun. We should go, Eileen. You should. We should meet in New Jersey or Connecticut. And uh... I'm I'm in. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. Yeah. I'm New so normal. Down. Let's do it. <laughs> Autistic playing poker and blackjack. That is so cliche. Anyway, <laughs> it is. Uh... But we don't look autistic, right? Do we? I think Andrew does with this background backdrop. What is it? No, you do. That's uh, a backdrop. You know, New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, we're borderline cliche there. But anyway, all right. Well, thanks um, for coming today. That was yeah, so great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks so much. Anything else you want to say anywhere people can find you online? Anything you want to advertise? This is your your moment. Tell everyone. Yeah, no, uh, definitely check out my Facebook page, Carrie's Autism Journey. Uh, if you're interested in having me speak at your next event, to your group or school, uh, you can find my website, carriemagro.com, and uh, shoot me just a contact form. Uh, my books are Defining Autism from the Heart, Autism and Falling in Love, and I Will Light Up Blue. They're all available to purchase on Amazon and on my website, carrymagra.com. Uh, definitely check out uh, the films that I've worked on, uh, which is also available on my website. And uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, TikTok, uh, all social media channels. So uh, give me a follow if you can. I would be excited to see you. I think your TikTok is taken off from what I saw, right? Yeah, we we blew it up. It, it was so crazy. It's like I, I went off TikTok because nobody was like really 
liking any of my videos and I was feeling defeated. And then I came back on like uh, the last week of January, 2021. And I posted one video like a week later and it got 1.3 million views. And that, that, that got me 30,000 followers right away. And now we're up to 48.5. So slowly wow. tiptoeing to the Addison Ray TikTok legend, 80.5 million. So maybe one day. Getting there. And that was it. Awesome. Well, thank you.